was up and about at three-quarter time. Schultz, hand pass was really good. Brayshaw got it to Aisha, got it to Tracy, who got it now to Jordan Clark. Size his way through. Frederick's been quiet. Even he's coming back the other way. His Grimes. Walters is there. One of the highlights from Fremantle's 15-point loss to Richmond at Optus Stadium on Saturday night. It was a cracker of a game in the wet. Unfortunately, the Tigers got the bickies in the end. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. And in the studio with me, I've got the great Paul Hazelby. He's one half of the run home with Hayes and Marto on SENWA 3 p.m. weekdays. Hayes. Good welcome. morning, Duff. How are you, mate? I'm well. Happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you. I gained a year. I thought I was 43, and then I found out I was 42, so I'm pretty happy. Is you get to that sort of point, don't you, in your life where when you have too many birthdays, you don't really always realise what age you're at. Yeah, well, wait till you get to 50. You don't look forward to it. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a 50th. I just thought, what's there to celebrate about being 50? <laughs> at 40, everything starts to go right wrong. <laughs> Eyes start to go, yeah, hair yeah. starts to go, <laughs> weight normally starts to add on a bit easier. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's start. You were the coach at South Romantle when Marlon Pickett arrived at the club. Your reaction to the news that he faces these charges? I was devastated on the Sunday night when I heard it. I couldn't believe it, to be honest, given the journey that he's been on of self-discovery to get himself back to a point in his life. Young family, role model, and whenever he speaks, he talks a lot about being a role model for those youngsters that have come through some tough times in their own life that may have been involved in the prison system or whatever. But I just couldn't, I just couldn't get my head around it because... You know, the Marlon that I know and love isn't like that. Like, he was one of the most professional blokes to, to train and coach. Um, and you just feel like he, he had everything. The world at his feet, another contract was on the offering for him if he just kept out of trouble. But now it, it makes it really difficult to believe that he's going to play this week and maybe ever play again. What was he like to coach? Fantastic. Always there. Um, very coachable. He still had some issues in his game that he had to work on, but he would get there early. He would do that. He was the ultimate team player. And we still see that trade in him now that he'll play in any position. Hardest thing was trying to find the right position for him because I started him on the wing and he had 27 and three goals on debut. And then after a while, that didn't really work. He went to the ruck. He went to the forward line. Todd Curley put him in the back line, which really worked. And then in the midfield and drafted. But yeah, I sit here today just bemused and and shadow with what's going on and hoping it's all not true. Yeah, well, I guess the court system, that'll play out in that. Do you think that Marlon Pickett can continue to play while this plays out in the court system? Well, we have in the AFL examples of players getting dropped from their club for missing ice baths, for being late to training. Like, this is more significant from, from that point of view that I think Richmond have an obligation to actually have an honest discussion with him to to the extent that they can to find out if he if, if he indeed he did play a part in this and if they don't like the answer then you know I don't, I, when you're creating culture within a football team and you are suspending players for certain things around football I ha- find it hard to believe that you can allow a player to play when he's gone outside potentially allegedly the legal system yeah, of course, the uh, underlying premise here is innocent until proven guilty, but you're right. There's going to be some tough discussions, I think, b- between club and player and I think between league and club mm. over the next few hours and uh, expect a, an announcement perhaps, perhaps later today 
as to which way that will go. Richmond is a club that tends to carry itself pretty well. Good, strong leadership with Brendan Gale um, as the CEO. So I suspect uh, whatever the call is, it will be a, a very carefully considered call that they make. Let's talk about the game on Saturday night. I thought it was a cracker of a game. And while I'm disappointed that Fremantle lost and it puts a dent in their finals chances, I'm kind of not that discouraged about what I saw. What was your take? Look, a couple of things here. I thought selection was interesting. When you knew the conditions were coming, Michael Walters, if you're over that injury, the calf, and you're good to go, he'd been one of the most informed small forwards in the comp. And when he came onto the field, the lift he gave them, he kicked two goals. I found it a little bit strange that he wasn't in, replaced by Liam Henry, in essence, who, you know, we don't sit here and talk about him as being a great wet weather footballer. He had some pretty good moments, but still got a bit of work to do. Sam Sturt was the other one, and Sturt, he played pretty well on the night, but I just thought sometimes in those conditions you get a chance to pick players that are built for it, and Richmond certainly were that. And I've always had this belief in the West that you know teams from the East handle the wet weather conditions better than teams yep. from here, mm-hmm. because they train in those conditions whether or not there's more Victorian, so they grow up on those muddy ovals and the wet conditions, but they train in it more often than we do here. So when it comes, and that's why coaches in the West should never miss an opportunity in wet weather to actually get out there and train that style. So we didn't handle the conditions well. And I think late in the game when we were coming, we just had too many players that fumbled, drop marks, particularly those guys around the half-forward line that uh, would love their time again. Switkowski didn't have a great game. Bailey Banfield didn't do much. Michael Frederick, the other one. So I'm probably laying a bit of blame there late in the game. But early in the game, it was all about stoppage and what Richmond were able to do and get their game plan on their terms out the front of the stoppage, run and carry, handball. And that's why you love watching it, because they're an exciting team. And you hear Justin Lomira after the game talk about allowing them goal side. I think a lot of that was from stoppage, that uh, he gave them that in the first half. But what I will say about Justin Lomira, I think he's the best tactical in-game coach in the competition. That when things aren't going well for his team, he finds a way through changing the tactics slightly here and there to actually get the game back on their terms. And mm. there's not many under his tutelage that they haven't come back in the contest and made a good game of it. You think about the the final last year here against the Western Bulldogs. They're blown off the park early, but he just changes a few things, pulls a few levers, and they got back into that contest without playing great footy and really had a chance to win it. And if not for a decision or two, they could have stolen the game. It's interesting you say that. He's a great believer in contest method. Isn't mm. he? And he's very good at changing the contest method. That's a big call you make, though. I mean, we watched Ross Lyon coach Fremantle for a long time, and Ross Lyon was brilliant at They'd look like they were under the pump, and suddenly Ross would go out there at quarter time, three things would change, and then suddenly the game would change with it. So, But I think Ross probably just had the system that yep. he backed in, you know, from go to woe. This is Ross Lyon coach teams. Yep. Where I think Justin, you know, you can clearly see at times, and, and also coming up against different opposition, what they did against Geelong was different against... Melbourne when they had the win and the two players behind the ball. So he's able to change that from week to week, but also in game. Now with that, there comes a risk. And I used to have a coach called Chris Connolly and going back to 2006, like we were really confused because every single week we changed our method depending on who we were playing. So you don't actually, 
you know, become great at your own style because you do change it from time to time. I'm not saying that Justin Longmuir is in that uh, vicinity right now, but it is interesting that he has that ability to do it in-game and change the direction and course of the game. So Henry and Sturt, is it a case of just the wrong conditions or do you have concerns for them in the longer term as uh, viable players? No, I think Sturt was actually pretty good. He had some moments, particularly in the first two two and a half quarters, I thought he was quite significant. And it's hard when you select your team. You've got to select it really on the Thursday night and we get the weather forecasts and the like. And really there was just one big downfall, wasn't there? If that doesn't come in that time span, then I think it's a different story. But, you know, they had the the option. I wonder if Will Brody was available and not injured, whether he may have come in as the next guy in to replace Jager O'Meara. Certainly, Nathan Fife spent a bit of time early. He then spent a fair bit of time forward as well. And when they were getting belted in the first half from contested possession, I looked at that one and they corrected that. And he had an enormous third quarter. Um, Darcy, the absence of Darcy and the fact that Nankervis was a big-bodied ruckman and he made, I guess the best description I could find for it, he made Luke Jackson jump around him. Hmm. put himself in position A, and Jackson was always jumping around him and reaching. You change your, your thoughts on whether Darcy's tradable based on what you saw on the, on the weekend. Not that Jackson was poor, but I thought, he, I thought he lost that battle. Look, my preference is for Darcy to stay. I want to put that out there. I've always said that. I said that I would offer him a three- to four-year deal. I'd just be very careful about giving a five- to six big-money contract offer right now for Sean Darcy because you've got a lot of money tied up in those players. And look around the competition, too, at Ruckman. Like You can find them. You just need opportunity. Go back to Michael Gardner. Leaves. Who comes in? Dean Cox, you know, tall beanpole, just has to play. He plays, becomes one of the all-time greats. We're seeing it a bit with Kieran Briggs at the moment, and we're seeing it with Bailey Williams. Nobody thought Bailey Williams was going to make a good ruck. He's now, you know, working towards the Jackson Territory in that role that he's been quite significant. The jury's still out. Like, I want to I see it for another week. You know, hopefully Jack uh, Darcy comes back after that. But what you do see from Jackson is the explosion from mm. stoppage, that Nan yeah. couldn't go f- with him in that part. And he ended up having 24, 25 disposals. He needs to continue to build the contested side of his game in those ruck contests. And there's other ruckmen around like that that aren't great in that area. And that will come, I think, with a bit of maturity and, and a bit more growth and feeling comfortable within his body. But definitely they did miss elements of what Sean Darcy can bring with his stoppage work in those wet conditions to put it to the advantage of his midfielders. And and that really was one of the key pillars of their turnaround in their season was winning contested possession and clearance. And Sean Darcy was critical in some of that. Aish Mansell, what did you make of it? It's a split second one, isn't it? Play on. Play I don't on. think he deserves anything. Like I think yep. people forget how hard this game is. Yep. And what you're asked to do from a coaching perspective, go for the ball, give everything. The game's on the line. Beeline the ball, and that's what he did. And he he changed his mind. But I would question anybody when you're about to get cleaned up by somebody else, what your reaction may be. Everybody's reaction will be different, but most is to turn your body and protect yourself. And that's what he did. He didn't jump or leave the ground, and it was a split second decision and moment. I just think, as an AFL industry, we've got to be better and move past that and get people in there making the decisions that may actually played a lot of footy and understand how difficult it is to go from contesting to non-contesting. No, that's a pretty good call. I think the tribunal's the right place for it because I think mm. that, you know, Michael Christian sends it there and they, they can pick through it 
you know, microscopically and come at a result. But I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't feel affronted if he walks a free man from the tribunal. What else can he do? I think in any situation of the tribunal or the MRO, what else can that player do? Like the tackle that we saw on the weekend against Blakey, like from Dan Butler. What else can he do in that situation? Do you want to have players not tackle and not chase down, which is a great facet of our game? I think we're just entering into dangerous territory. Um, Nathan O'Driscoll on a wing. It looked like he lost his feet a lot. He looked a bit uh, a bit clodhoppy, I guess. Because mm. is, is he safe in the team? Or do you think they would look at a... Like Carl Warner seems to continue to push up and, uh, and press his claims. I think he adds something when he's on, absolutely. But it's about getting that consistency of performance across every single round. And again, how conditioned is he for wet weather footy here in the West? And there were a few, particularly early, that fell over in defence, a lot of defenders. And I still think in this day and age there are a lot of players that wear the different boots. They don't wear the long stops that we used to wear 10 to 15 years ago and they become vulnerable, particularly at Optus Stadium when there becomes a bit of weather around and becomes wet underfoot. I would keep persisting with him, um, whether it's Carl Warner that comes in or whether they give Liam Henry another opportunity in that role. Yep. They are options. But I think longer term, he's the one that you need to get fit and firing on all cylinders. A couple of texts coming through from Greg from Les Murdy. Is there not precedent for the AFL to stand down picket for bringing the game into disrepute similar to how it handled Ben Cousins back in 2007? Yep, that's there is precedent there. It's a case of whether they believe that applies here, I think that's going to be the question. Well, they have it in the NRL, don't they? Whenever yeah. there's an issue, it's just a no-fault standout policy, so you're not admitting to anything. Um, look, he's in a different uh, time in his career too. He's got a different role. He kicked two goals last week, but he didn't play that well on the weekend, and, and maybe the circumstances played a part in that. But he's out of contract. I just don't see, for Richmond, I'm talking about the upside for them, new coach coming in, I wouldn't be surprised. If uh, they start to head in a little bit of a different direction with some of those players around the age of 30. And another one uh, to Duffin Hayes. It's hard to cop the talk of Henry's added tackling pressure when he turns up in the AFL with the one-armed tackling again. Well, I don't think he's bring in for he's brought into the team for his tackling pressure. <laughs> I know that he's brought in for his speed, his skill level, his ability to play multiple positions. Um, but he has improved it. And I think I whacked him pretty hard last year because I watched late in the year some waffle fixtures and he just didn't have the the intensity and the defensive pressure that was at standard of waffle, let alone at the AFL. But clearly over the last three or four weeks, he's improved that. Justin Longmuir basically alluded to it and coaches give away clues about who they think will come in. When he was asked about Brody and Erasmus coming in, he quickly threw up Liam Henry. Yeah, Liam changed, Henry. Changed the narrative. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Later in the week, he's in the team. Yeah, I'd like to see Erasmus in there. I make no secret about that. I yep. think he did enough in the weeks he played to me to, to have stayed in there. Johnson looks good, doesn't he? Oh. Yeah. Again, he does these things where... 95% of players, they get the ball, and there's a, there's, a, there's an option to give a handball. I think it was to Brayshaw. And you see this a bit in netball. I see it when I coach. that The option gets shut down really quickly. Most players still give the handball because that's their first thought. He's actually mid-handball, noticing that it's going to get shut down and then changes direction and, and gives it off to somebody else. It's a remarkable skill to have. Who gets Toby Green? Oh, Luke Ryan. If the talls, you know, match up where they don't have to play 
him on somebody taller. Yeah, I think there's an option to do that. I know Himmelberg played in defence. Riccardi was pretty good, took some big marks the other day. But I think you want a player on Toby Green that can match him on the ground, but also in the air. Yeah, and a tough player too, because Toby's... You know, for a bloke his size, he's, he's quite physically intimidating, yep. isn't he? Um, Amos Watch, he's tracking for mid-40s now. <laughs> Am I missing something here? I can't believe it. That he's, where is he on the lines of betting for the... He, he was number so. seven. Right. So George Wardlaw went past him on the weekend, who's played, what, three games yeah. and, and two good ones. Looks, and looks good. George looks great. Wardlaw. But mm. what is the award for? Is it around the whole season? Or is it about who's going to be the best player going forward? It's the about best performance. The best Melbourne-based teenager. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not win it? How can you not win it if you kick 45 goals? That's a good question. And that's what he's – That's what all those judges, and this is the difference between other awards. It's not done weekly. At the end of the year, they're going to have to get together and they're going to have staring at them in the face is a guy who's 19 that's kicked 45 goals and maybe is the key reason that they go into the finals this year and have the resurgence that they do. 45 goals. You can't say no to that. You cannot give him – not give him a five vote. What did Jack – not Jack, Nick Rewalt kick in – 24 or something. In 2000. Jesse Hogan kicked 44. This was the article that I wrote on the weekend. Yeah. Um, Jaden Stevenson kicked 38, I think, across the whole season, including finals. So so Nick Revolt beat Chris Judd yeah. in 2002. And the argument put by the Victorian scribes, who leant heavily towards it was him, goals. was, well, no, it was key position. Uh, yep. Much harder to be a good young key position mm. player than a good young midfielder. The year before that, Kaczynski won it. Yeah. I think he only kicked two goals. <laughs> and Max King... He came third recently, and he kicked 25 goals. Yeah. The market's wrong. Completely wrong. How is – how is – yeah, anyway. All right. Finally, before I let you go, he's, he's flabbergasted and frustrated, folks. Who wins Fremantle or GWS this weekend? They're going to stick fat with Fremantle. I think they could do it. But I like what GWS are building. They were good again on the weekend challenge. But Fremantle just have to win to keep their season alive. Yep, agree with you. What do you think, folks, on the temperate bedshed text line? You can have your say, 0487 736 736, or you can call us on the open line, 13 12 55. You can hear more of Hayes' views on the run home with Hayes and Mardo, SENWA, 3 p.m. weekdays. Uh, get your ears around that. Hayes, as always, thanks so much for coming in, mate. Thanks, Duff. We'll do it next week. Look forward to talking to you again.